Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to this Chakra Chat episode of the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. I'm really enjoying talking to lots of different yoga teachers and energy workers to bring you different perspectives and different modalities and different ways of working with your energetic body. There are so many wonderful ways to practice yoga, to work with our energy, and it is my strong belief that there is something out there for everyone. So if traditional yoga is difficult for you due to like physical restrictions, then today's conversation will be of special interest to you. And if you already have a yoga practice, I think you'll hopefully discover a new slant on your practice, because today I am talking to Krista Fairbrother, who is an aqua or water yoga teacher. I was so intrigued to find out, first of all, how yoga in the water actually works, but most of all, um, what the benefits are and why it is such an interesting way of practicing. I think that challenging yourself by putting yourself in a completely new environment is such a, an, a fascinating way to work. Anyway, I loved chatting with Krista. She's so lovely and so interesting. Please do check out the show notes for the link to her website and her free content. Okay, enjoy. I am fascinated. Um, so tell me, first of all, a little bit about how you came to discover aqua yoga and what aqua yoga actually is because whilst I was doing a bit of research um and you if you just type in aqua yoga there's two definite types of aqua yoga aren't there there's in the water and there's on the water on a sort of floaty board and um you tell me what what do you do and how did you come to it excellent okay well thank you for being here this is really fun to have this conversation and those are both really big questions. So I will actually kind of break them down because I have okay. a feeling by the time I tell you my story first, you're going to be like, 
okay, wow. <laughs> and then we'll get into the what is, of course, because those are both really good questions. Why do I want to talk about it? And what is it? Yeah. So my journey to aqua yoga actually started a long time ago. I used to be a farrier. And for those who don't know what a farrier is, that's a person who puts horseshoes on horses. And in uh, small town America, you know, a lot of people have seen Westerns and it gets kind of conflated because if you only had one person in town who could make anything, they were probably going to work with your horses and be your blacksmith and make your candlesticks, right? So they easily get conflated. But also just since so many of your listeners are in the UK, they're very different professions in the UK and regulated differently. You have different organizations. So just to, to help out those people who, who take it seriously, they are different. But being a farrier is really hard on your back. <laughs> and I knew that. And somebody had told me, oh, you know, you should do yoga because it's really good for your back. I knew nothing about yoga. I was like, okay, I'll try. And, and it was it was all right. You know, I was like, okay, this yoga thing. Well, okay, I'll keep, I'll keep coming. And so after a couple of years, I developed a personal practice that I would do before I would go to work in the morning and that would help get me warmed up. And then I decided to change careers. I moved states. I had a couple of kids. So it's literally like 20 years later now. And once my kids both started elementary school, it was like, okay, I really think I wanted like to step up my yoga game. This is clearly important to me. I've been doing this a long time. Mm. And like many yoga teachers, it was just about doing it for myself when I went to yoga teacher training. Yeah. But when I did go to that training, I did have a diagnosis of systemic lupus erythematosus, which is a systemic autoimmune disease. And I was a little worried about it flaring up during yoga teacher training, but I thought I could manage it. And while I was in yoga teacher training, my diagnosis was actually changed. So I had a bunch more autoimmune diseases as well. And I had a really hard time with the cognitive dissonance of how had I shod horses and bucked tons of hay and rode horses for forever and been an athlete and done all these things. And yet you've told me I've had all these autoimmune diseases and I've clearly had them since I was a kid because the symptoms had been going on so long. And basically I attributed my success to the yoga is I had really found a self-management tool that was really keeping me going because way back when, when I was a farrier, if I didn't do that yoga, it really showed, it was really obvious. And that's why I had kept it up. So that became highly motivating for me in terms of, well, this is, this is more than just a personal passion. This is really something I can, I can bring to the world, my story and what it does for people. So I immediately pursued yoga for arthritis teacher training because that was one of the additional diagnoses I had received was rheumatoid arthritis in addition to the lupus. There, when I went to that training, I actually met a fellow yoga for arthritis teacher who held a weekly wine and yoga in the pool night. That sounds like my kind of thing. Yes. What happened? Why has nobody ever told me about this? Sounds amazing. (laughs) So then it was just like, oh my God. So I like literally like, because I had no internet access there. It was just like immediately when I got home is how can I find out about how to do this? So I literally immediately went to aqua yoga teacher training. And that is really what stuck. And, and so these days is yes, I specialize in aqua yoga and especially for people who live with, arthritic conditions yeah 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 I mean I I imagine that having that weight bearing 
aspect taken away by the water is hugely freeing for the body and for um and helpful for arthritis yeah definitely so tell me a little bit about the style of aqua yoga that it is that you do so you're in the water not on the water because yes like a lot of falling into me but yeah a lot of falling in so uh some people use the word aqua yoga to describe what other people describe as like stand-up paddleboard yoga yeah so we do actually a lot of that here in florida because we have such warm water and these great inner coastal waterways so a stand-up paddleboard where you do yoga on it and then there's also the boards you mentioned which are fixed boards in the pool that are made of foam that get mm-hmm. tethered to the lane dividers. Yeah. And some people use that to mean aqua yoga as well. The kind of aqua yoga I do is like you just spoke to is the, you're actually in the water. So you get that joint relief. Yeah. I practice in the pool and most of the people I work with, you know, around the world, they also practice in the pool because it's the safest, most consistent place. Mm-hmm. However, you can, if you have access to a lake that has a decent bottom, water lakes have you know mud and stones and they're not so good, yeah. but then there's also the ocean. So here in Florida, we can do it outside in the ocean in the summer. I've worked with a couple ladies in Mauritius who I have trained to teach aqua yoga there in the Indian ocean. Oh they just go out on the beach. It's lot, I mean, talk about <laughs> Gorgeous. So, so there, it's not to say it has to be in a pool, but you're ideally working at about mid chest height water at a, at a comfortable temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So describe to me the, uh, the sort of the, because when, when I'm in a pool, I often, you know, I get very bored swimming up and down. I love being in the water, but I get very just swimming up and down just doesn't do it for me so I usually end up around chest height doing a trikonasana and doing you know flinging my leg up on the side and doing a you know a padangastasana or what have you you know just stretching in the water because it does feel really nice to be supported yet there are um you know the 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 weird thing is that well, so like doing a trikonasana, classic triangle pose or pyramid pose, as some people call it, on the ground, you know, you've got both feet on the ground, it's, it's fairly steady on the whole. If you're relatively experienced, it's, it's fairly steady. Whereas in the water, you have to work a lot harder to keep that stability. Um, and I'm always trying to think of other poses. So I'm imagining that Virabhadrasana one, so warrior, warrior not one, um, three, the sort of one-legged balance, you could yes. do that fairly easily in the pool. But how do you do things like down-facing dog and back bends? And there's, there's so many other things that I'm interested to know how you make them work in the water. Yes, yes. great question. So you brought up a lot of the examples you gave were standing poses. So yeah. those are really easy to do, right? You're on your feet. They do have some distinct differences with being in the water as you spoke to, but that is, that is a real consistent question. Well, how do you do this stuff and not drown people? So inversions <laughs> like headstand, handstand, scorpion, those kinds of things. I work with adults and most of them don't want to do that, right? They don't want to get their hair wet. They don't want to start water up their nose, right? Kids, they love them. So I have done aqua yoga with kids and they're of course all about the splashing and the bubbles and the craziness. Yeah. But I don't really teach inversions because the people I work with don't want to do them. So we kind of leave those off the table. I pretty much say, okay, we don't do those. But then you have those intermediate standing poses, like you said, like down dog. So for maybe perhaps if a listener does not know what that is, if you're on a mat, you would have your hands on the mat, 
your toes on the mat and your tush is going towards the air. So you're making kind of this big triangle shape. Mm -hmm. Obviously your head is lower than your tush. How is that going to work in the water? So we do it more like a forward fold. So your head is on the surface of the water. Your legs are spread wide. And what that really speaks to is, is yoga really about the shapes and are we going to give the names to postures that we take that make certain shapes or are we going to give the names to postures that create certain actions so if we talk about like you know the point of your podcast is it about a physical action like what am i lengthening what am i strengthening you know where is the stretch is it about a certain action that um movement through the water that i'm taking am i doing flexion am i doing extension something like that Mm. is it am i making a certain energetic action happen in my body. So am I getting an element of lift? Am I getting an element of settle, right? So I tend to be fairly creative with aqua yoga, meaning to me, it does not have to be the same shape to get the same name is I'm going for more of the similarities of emphasis. And there's a couple reasons for that. One is, you know, the practicality of, I do believe that yoga in the pool is totally valid, but we can't do the same thing. Yeah. It's also yeah. about accessibility. Yeah. So that pose we're talking about, down dog, many people can't do that pose because they can no longer bear weight on their hands for a variety of reasons. You know, the saddle joint, your thumb goes bad, you get carpal tunnel. Getting in and out of that pose usually requires your ability to get on and off the ground, which yeah. isn't available to anyone anymore. And to, to, kneel, on knee, knee, to kneel on your knees as well. Exactly. So, and that can be really challenging for some, Yeah. Totally. And so those shouldn't be barriers to practicing yoga, right? The ability to do those two things should have nothing to do with your ability to practice yoga. Yeah. And so, so I'm using names that are, that don't necessarily match the exact thing you would do on the mat, but have the same maybe physical actions or mechanical properties or energetic properties that we can match up in a way that still makes sense for people who practice yeah, regular, I call it land yoga, regular yoga, <laughs> um, compared to yoga in the pool, right? Yeah. And then um, another big element is, okay, seated poses. Well, as you just spoke to, if we're at mid-chest height, I can't exactly sit down and do my forward fold or my child's pose or <laughs> those poses that I'm used to. So what are those? Yeah. If you're by yourself, you often have access to the steps. You know, you're just one person, you could probably do the steps. But in a class that I would teach, I have too many people to sit on the steps. So how do we manage that? Well, we could use a kickboard to sit on. We could use a noodle. I know in the UK, you call them woggles often. But once you're on those, this is no longer like a restful, relaxing posture. This is now a lot about balance. If you think about, okay, you're sitting on a kickboard and you're going to do a forward fold, like um, a staff pose. Yeah. That's a big challenge on a kickboard. That is not a like relaxing. I'm just going to hang out here for five minutes place and get a treatise on yoga philosophy. Yeah. I, mean, I need some direction on how I'm going to hold up here. Yes. So it really, it, there's a lot there in terms of, okay, if you think about those poses, well, they don't necessarily even have to be for the same purpose in the water, right? Those forward folds, they're no longer now relaxing restful places. They're balanced postures. Yeah. So, so aqua yoga really provides a whole new way of thinking about a practice, maybe that you've already had yeah. that you can really kind of reinvigorate, reinvigorate, excuse me, and have some fun. You're saying, oh, I get bored. It's like, yeah, but now think about all the amazing things you could do. Yeah. 
No, it does. It really, really does sort of turn a lot of things on its head, you know, because, um, you know, whilst whilst balancing and weight bearing on one leg or weight bearing on 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 your hands is is really hard on on land, as you say, it gives it a whole new complexion when you're in the water. And I'm presuming that, you know, because most people practice yoga and they do it, they they realize how great it makes them feel. They don't really know why they just go, right, this exercise in commas makes me feel good, so I carry on doing it. And what they don't perhaps always take in, unless you go to somebody who's quite spiritual or philosophical in their teaching, you don't understand the sort of the, the deeper aspects of what the yoga is doing for you in terms of, of um, energy, you know, in terms of shifting your energy and feeding the soul, if you like. And so I'm what I'm interested because you said in some of our correspondence that we had that you do involve a, a spiritual or a, a chakra element into your teaching. So how does that come about? Because obviously you're in the water, so I'm obviously thinking, right, well, we're we're in the sacral chakra because it's all water and flow. But but tell me in your own words, how how do you integrate the chakras and your spirituality or if you know, or the that sort of connection if you like how do you integrate that with your that's a great question yes so first thing I should preface by saying when I introduce the chakra work is I try to introduce it within the context of the tradition so so most people know you know the seven chakra system with the colors and that is a more recent adaptation of the chakras compared yeah. to some of the older texts we have in yoga yeah so the, rainbow I like... colors fairly, fairly, the rainbow colors are uh, quite 70s aren't they they came in and... exactly but I only bring it up not to discredit anybody's work it's not about that is I want to help people understand that this is a a living system and that they get to apply the aspects that work for them so I will present chakra information as potentially this is going to work for you And if it doesn't, your yoga is still valid, right? I'm not going to say that this doesn't work. So I I try to introduce it in a spirit of lightness as something that can be an aid and an addendum and and a spirit of, of help and a way to explore yourself in new ways. So, you know, we've got the eight limbs of yoga. The poses are just one. So if you think about the yoga philosophy and, and learning to know yourself as Svadhyaya, So if I tell you, you know, the root chakra is about feeling safe and you see it as something about fun, well, that doesn't make your interpretation and how you see it in your own body wrong, right? It just means that here's a tradition that Krista's presenting it in. (laughs) So I try to make that clear. So for everything I say today, if somebody goes into the water and they're like, wow, I'm just really not getting it because I do think the water is a very different environment and people do interpret it differently still totally valid. So there's my little soapbox speech of, of take mm. it for what it's worth for you. Yeah. So, so if we talk about, well, that traditional system of the chakras and we talk about like the root chakra, the safety chakra, we already have talked about, well, how the water is so buoyant and you're maybe feeling a less stable and safe. I think it's amazing that people who are afraid of the water come to water exercise. It happens way more often than you think. These people, they they want exercise, they need exercise. Maybe their healthcare provider has told them, hey, you need to get more fit. And because of something you have going on, go to the water. And they're afraid of being in the water and they still come. Talk about brave, right? So they're not necessarily going to see the water as the safest place, right? So for them to get in touch with those feelings of, okay, well, what is, 
How do I create a feeling of safety and security for myself in the water when that isn't necessarily my first reaction, right? So for them, it can be something like, okay, well, we're going to teach you how to be a little more stable on your feet. And you know, you've got the lifeguard right there. So they're, they're trying to turn into themselves at the same time as they're maybe looking for some safety outside of themselves, which isn't necessarily how we would think of the chakras as working, Mm -hmm. but it's an important, I think an important distinction in a water environment because we have a little higher safety bar. But then once you get people maybe grounded on their feet, it's like, okay, if you are feeling grounded here, we can teach people to turn it on and off really quickly in the water. So what do I mean by that? we're used to gravity just holds us to the ground, right? We, we have to put no effort into, you know, I'm standing today, you're seated. We're neither one of us is t- putting any effort into keep staying attached to the floor, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you get in the water and that isn't necessarily the case, yeah. right? If I'm standing on the pool floor and I start to move my arms, my body is naturally going to want to sway. Yes. So what can I do to create a little more sense of safety and security for myself? I have to learn probably to fire up some muscles in my legs and learn to turn on my hamstrings and quadriceps and then perhaps turn them off when I want a little more movement. So that can be really empowering for people to be able to say, Hey, I want to ground here. And Hey, I want to relax here. Mm. So it's this idea of you can create safety and security internally. And, and we have a traditional, you know, the root chakras traditionally on the base of our spine. And I recognize that in the example I gave was using your leg muscles. Yeah. But, but it's, it's that idea of, can we be safe and secure in our base? You know, whatever that is in your body. So to me, that's just like a short example, quick, little quick example with the base chakra of, of how we can do that. Yeah. That's, that's really fascinating. And I love that approach actually, because that's the wonderful thing about the chakra system is that you can adapt it to whatever situation, you know, it's such a beautiful system because it is so adaptable because it is, you can interpret it and take it in whatever way supports you in in that particular moment, in that particular environment, whether you're land, air or water, you know, you can, you can connect with that. And, you know, because it is elemental, um, the the chakra systems are elemental. I think there's something very, probably quite powerful, actually, about being embraced by such a powerful element. You know, I mean, I I was at the beach this morning in, and there was, there had been a storm in the night and the waves were 20 feet high. It was, the surf was huge and you just... You know, whenever I'm by the sea, I'm always overwhelmed by the the power and the majesty and the uh, extraordinary um, energy of bodies of water. Um, But to be in it, there's something, you know, I mean, you talk to any surfer dude, you know, they're just like, it's meditation, just like being in the water, being held by the water, you have to release all of you know there's no point in thinking about your tax bill or your shopping list when you're swimming you're in the water you have to just be and that's another I think a really amazing and wonderful aspect of aqua yoga and whilst yeah you're giving instructions and and they're focusing there's a there's a sort of a wonderful elemental part of it which I love yeah yes definitely it's it's essential to our existence I mean we literally we can, we can last for a little while without food, but water, we go pretty quick, right? We have to, it's not just being in it. It's literally, we have to have it. And I, there is 
some strong research out there, you know, anthropologically about why we're drawn to the water, you know, and, and you think about it just like common sense. It's like, well, virtually every country in the world, water pro- waterfront property is worth more than inland, right? We all want to watch it, see it, be around it. You know, we love pools in the backyard here in the States. We have the most pools of anywhere in the world. We love our pools. Yeah. And, and I know a lot, quite a few people who love having the pool and yet they rarely use it. They just really like knowing it's there. And even just looking at it brings them peace, just energetically having that water, right? We all love a nice hot bath, right? To just sink down in the bath and just go like, oh, yeah. So, so there is definitely that energetic element. And, and when you think about yoga, it's like, well, when yoga was created thousands of years ago, they didn't have those little plastic sticky mats. Right? <laughs> they didn't need the plastic sticky mat to do yoga. Old belts, old blocks, or all the other things that we say right. are sinful. And I, right. I know. So there is yeah. absolutely no reason why you can't take your yoga into the water or on top if you're the surfer dude and you want to do your yoga out on the surfboard. Awesome. That's awesome. You know, yeah. so whatever way works for you to, yes, engage with that energy and try and get a little more peace and relaxation in your life. Absolutely. There's something very much about that I feel about it, which is, is being held. There's a, there's a, there's something in the, in the sort of surrender to the water, to the being held that I think is probably quite significant in that practice as well. Am I right? So, yeah, I have two, I have a, a science tidbit and then I have a kind of a philosophical tidbit on that point that you just brought up. So the science When we get in the water, we're subject to the hydrostatic pressure of the water, which is distinctly greater than that of air, right? So when you get in the water, you know that feeling of now you're kind of suddenly in a body sock because you're being pressed on inward everywhere. So that hydrostatic pressure actually does calm your nervous system. That's partly why we have that physiological response to the water and and why it's everybody's just kind of like, okay. And the current theory, there needs to be more research on this, but the current theory for why that happens is it's like nervous system overload. We can't feel that one particular sharp little splinter point of pain because now all our nociception, all our nerves are registering pressure, pressure, pressure. And so it kind of overloads our system and tones everything down. So the science really does support this activation of our parasympathetic nervous system that, that makes us calmer when we get in the water. And then from kind of the philosophical point is, I like to say, well, you know, that water will not support your negativity. Like, what's it going to support? It just dissolves. It won't hold anything up, right? The water, it will support objects that have a shape or that have some, you know, buoyancy through maybe us as humans, we all have some fat, right? No matter who everybody's like, oh, you know, it's like, no, we all float on some level, (laughs) but it, but what's floating, it's, it's your physicality. It's not these negative attitudes, right? They literally don't have any shape. They don't hold up in the water. It just dissolves all that negativity around you. And so you get in there and it's like, well, I'm feeling good. And why am I taking my garbage in the pool? Right? Yeah, exactly. So listen, Chris, I want to go back to, um, I want to go back to the arthritis side of things. Because 
we all as teachers you know we we come across lots of people who suffer with arthritis so just speak to why it's so good I mean obviously you know the weight bearing thing is one but is there anything more to it in support of arthritis yes definitely so to be clear arthritis for people who don't necessarily haven't walked this road yet arthritis basically just means joint pain it mm. is it's a catch-all term, right? And there are more than a hundred kinds. And it's important to keep that in mind because depending on what activity you might choose or pathway towards healing you're going to choose, you want it to be always approved by your healthcare providers. I have to, you know, always say, well, my scope of practice is to bring a yoga perspective to this. So if you're looking into this for yourself, always check it with your healthcare provider. And make sure that that these suggestions work for your kind of arthritis, because the most common kind of arthritis that we see is osteoarthritis. And that's what most people think of arthritis is you get older and you've worn worn out. I'm using the air quotes here. You've used a joint a lot and it's showing its age. Yeah. So that is the most common kind that we that people know. However, I've already spoken to, like, I have multiple kinds of autoimmune arthritis. So the osteoarthritis is the joint itself has gotten kind of worn out. So you're going to get a lack of joint space and some bone spurs and grumpy bones, so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The autoimmune kind, well, that is your own body attacking you basically from the outside in. So instead of the bone itself, the bone itself will get destroyed in the end, but instead of the bone itself, it's potentially everything around the joint. So it's the joint capsule. And so you get a lot more diffuse swelling or like in lupus, it's like your whole entire body. It's like you get the flu, right? Mm -hmm. So there's many different ways that you can get this idea of joint pain, right? Mm -hmm. Even fibromyalgia, which has nothing to do with your joints gets lumped into the box of arthritis. So just to kind of give that, quick rundown of, of what it is. So why would we get in the water specifically for arthritis? What would it do for us? And there's basically three big principles um, when we talk about the science. And then yes, we can talk a little bit more about the energy as well. But from a science perspective, I like to start with that one because everyone's like, tell me about the water. What is it about the water? So we got the buoyancy, right? We've already kind of covered this. Is you literally, when you get in the water and you're at that mid-chest height, you're offloading about 70% of your weight. So when you think about your joint capsule, it does not get bigger. It's never going to get bigger than it originally was, but it helps restore some of that natural joint space. So if you've got that osteoarthritis and your joint is now just rubbing against itself and it's like sandpaper every time you bend your knee, the water has helped you know, pull that back to where it was when you started and you didn't have that osteoarthritis and get helping to restore your original pain-free range of motion. So it's basically creating space. It's creating space. And when we teach you- It was restoring space. I have to be careful with my wording, right? Yeah, fair enough. It's not not making your joints any bigger than they ever were. And we wouldn't want that. (laughs) No, God, no. Helping to restore the space you used to have and maximizing whatever space you personally have. And joint capsule spaces differ amongst all of us, right? So um, that idea of, uh, you know, people come to yoga and they say, can you make me taller? It's like, well, in the pool, yes. (laughs) Because it literally helps, you know, pop you back up a little bit. So that buoyancy is really very kind, right? It, It And if you think about a lot of people who live with arthritis also start to struggle with weight gain because you're not getting the exercise you should be. 
Yeah. And, and then you get in this cycle, right? And so if you're a person living in a bigger body, it can be harder to access the kinds of exercise that you maybe your healthcare provider has said are good for you, or that even you've enjoyed in the past, right? Yeah. Like regular yoga, you might've been a yogi for years. And then suddenly it's like, this is not a choice for me. So that buoyancy helps restore your options basically. Mm. So that's a big one. The other one we think about is the viscosity of the water. I like to say, okay, you know, you get in the water and you notice how thick it is. It's like maple syrup, right? I mean, it's an exaggeration to say it's honey or maple syrup, but it's clearly way thicker than the land, right? And what am I going to do about this? So what that means is that when you are dealing with this big, thick, viscous environment, you are expending muscular effort in every direction you move. So what does that mean? If you put a weight in your hand, you know, most of us have gone to the gym and we've had those barbells, right? You, yeah. So you tuck your right arm in your elbow and you got that weight in your hand and you're going to bring that weight up to your shoulder. When you move that weight up, you're resisting gravity. That's why it builds your bicep, right? That big mm. muscle in front. When you lower the weight, your triceps doing a little, but not as much because now you're moving with gravity. Mm. On land, we really only build muscles when we resist gravity yeah well in the water yes we're still resisting gravity it's not like we're in space there is still gravity however the water is so viscous that when you did that bicep curl now you don't have a weight in your hand you're just in the water you bring your hand up to your shoulder you had to exert muscular effort but now lowering your hand is actually the same amount of muscular effort the water viscosity didn't change right yeah so you get very balanced muscular expenditure which is really much more stable for a joint Because if you have a damaged joint and you go to the gym and you only work one side of your muscles, it's fatiguing one side of the joint and only supporting one side of the joint. Absolutely. And and we need the only thing when you have damaged joints, the only thing you can have to help is strong muscles. So we really need strong muscles when we have damaged joints. So that idea of having really balanced musculature that Mm -hmm. we can get in the water is hugely important. So that's, you know, another thing. So um, we've got buoyancy. We've got that viscosity that that's going to give us that really um, balanced effort. And then we talked about, you know, this hydrostatic pressure and this dampening down of our nervous system that can really help our pain responses. So it's very easy when you live with arthritis to like get in this chronic pain loop of, you know, it, well, it hurts. And if I exercise, it hurts. So I won't exercise. So then when I try and exercise, it hurts. So then I don't. Right. And it's this circular cycle of just like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, And so if we can do anything to break that cycle, super helpful. So getting in the water and doing yoga in the water can be a way to damp down those pain cycles enough that we can get a little more fit and apply, you know, that balanced muscular effort in a way that's really going to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think that's the science on it. It's a fantastic innovation, if you like, in yoga to to bring it into the water. It it does when you explain it, you know, I mean, it it does make so much sense um, in terms of making it accessible for everybody. And I, you know, I I just wish that, um, you know, uh, sadly in the UK, you know, swimming pools aren't always the nicest place, and there's always some sort of kids screaming in the corner, or there's, you know. Um, you know, and I think there's an image of of aqua, you know, aqua aerobics, if you like, you know, water exercise as just being a sort of an old lady's thing to do. But I think that it's something that actually is really valid. 
um, for anybody who's wanting to just challenge themselves. You know, I mean, I think that even as an experienced yogi going into the water and finding that, you know, what once was a very stable position, suddenly you have to work like crazy to stay stable and other poses that, you know, you find, um, you know, difficult on land are suddenly like, oh, I can do it because you've got the support of the water, you know, I think is, is a really good exploration actually into, um, into one's practice. So, I yeah, I want to encourage everybody to, and I honestly don't think that there are that many aqua yoga teachers in the UK. I'll, I will research it. Actually, I should have looked up, but um, it's not something that I'd heard of before. Um, you know, I, I, it's weird because I did it myself. I do it myself whenever I get into a body of water. I, as I said, I always end up doing it. So it makes all, yeah. makes all the good sense. Makes all the good sense. So my um. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is you say that you do do a meditation in the water. So how does, how do you do Shavasana, the relaxation and the meditation? How does that work in the water? Yes, that's a great question. And I'm going to, before I answer that question, I'm going to bridge it with what you just said about, you know, there's always some kids screaming in the pool or something. And yes, pools are busy, crazy places. They are not necessarily calm yoga studios it's not the deserted beach where you get to meditate and when you think about like how you're going to engage with your chakras and you're saying oh you know I'm a practitioner I've done this a while if you can only engage with your chakras in some like beautiful forest cave place right. you're you need some more work on that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you need but, to be able to do it whilst you're shopping almost you know exactly and, 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 and you need yeah. to take that breath and be able to engage it before you scream at your children right yeah so it is, the pools are to me like the perfect place to try and apply this because it has enough element of relaxation that you can do it, but it's not like some perfect, you know, our okay. mountain cave retreat. It's so real so life is what it is. It's like, Hey, rubber hits the road here. Can I meditate in, in a place that's a little busy, right? Okay. So, so that's a perfect bridge there because, well, how are we going to do this meditation? It's not like, a shavasana, a corpse pose in a beautiful yoga studio with the essential oils and the music playing and the doors are all locked and the room got dim and yeah. it's all beautiful. No, we got screaming kids and mushrooms and maybe swim lessons. So what are we going to do? The <laughs> mm-hmm. so first option is it's always really important to say that a meditation doesn't have to happen laying down because that's mm-hmm. one feature in that we usually do in land yoga is we usually lay down, but Hey, in the water, not everybody wants to get their head wet. Not everybody's comfortable in the water. We already kind of started with the safety, right? Not everybody's yeah. going to want to get their ears under. Not everybody's going to want to float with their feet off the pool floor. Yeah. So I like to liken meditation in the water to more almost like a walking meditation we would do on land because mm-hmm. that helps people separate the fact that, Oh, I'm, I'm going to move. Because we have that safety bar in the water. You can't bliss out so much that you fall asleep. That would not be a safe yeah. place. <laughs> so it is, it is definitely a more active meditation place than just laying down and blissing out. So if you think about it, it's like, oh, well, if I've ever done a walking meditation, it's like, oh, well, I could get in the pool and move a little bit. And this is okay. So for example, starting with the vertical head out meditation, that's that's kind of the safest base place is as it can be as simple as you leave your feet on the pool floor and maybe lean against the pool wall, right? Because even that, it kind of grounds you. 
It takes, a, you know, you've got that weight off. Some people will, I'm sure you've seen people hanging out in the pool. They just literally go to the pool wall and put their hands on the pool wall and then their forehead on the backs of their arms. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're just kind of checking out for a minute. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It can be as simple as that. And when I'm doing it in a group class, I will often give people like one pole noodle and we can float on it like a bicycle or you can thread it. I thread it between your legs. I say, you can get friendly with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives you a little bit of support. If you choose to have your feet on the pole floor, you still can, but you can also take use or excuse me, make use of that prop and its buoyancy to get you up off the pool floor a little bit and bend your knees. And now you're just kind of doing a little seated float. Yes. Right. So that can be, it can be as simple as those kinds of things. Closing the eyes is always optional because we have that safety bar, right? But if you, again, if you were doing a walking meditation, you're not closing your eyes anyway. You're just trying to focus on less, right? It's a pratyahara practice. We're trying to withdraw our senses, right? So instead of thinking about the kids and watching them, you're aware that they're there, right? But maybe you're just looking at the surface of the water or you're picking a pretty point. Some of the pools I teach it are literally on the ocean, right? So you can be in the pool and look at the ocean, right? So just pick a point in the distance to look at, right? And let the other stuff go. So if you choose to close your eyes, of course you can, right? But then it's just that idea of, well, meditation isn't thinking of nothing. It's just trying to control what we're thinking about. So that thinking of one thing, right? Where, however, you're choosing to kind of withdraw, it's like, okay, are you going to connect with a certain chakra, right? That energy center in your body. Are you going to connect with your breath that we do, you know, every day, right? You bring it back to your breath. Because pools are noisy places, I allow people to concentrate on the sound. Hey, if you want to, there's there's one class I teach. At, I swear to God, there's like some karmic, all heavy equipment must go off on this day at this time. There's always a dump truck, a road machinery. It's hilarious, right? So it's just like, hey, it's there. You know it's going to go and make its noise. And you can literally pay attention to that sound. That way, when it goes off, you're not going to jump because you're waiting for it. It's like, hey, everything else is gone. I am not shopping. I am waiting for dump truck sound. Yeah. Because technically, that is what a pratyahara practice is. It's just withdrawing your senses to move us into concentration and meditation so that we can focus on that one thing and then finally, you know, sharpen our focus down totally internally. So I like to liken it to almost like meditation light, as you can see, because I'm providing so many options, Mm. so many ways in, and, and really making it a practice that instead of no, you can't do this. And no, you can't do this. No, you can't do this. It's more like, yes, you can do this. And if this works better, awesome. Yeah. 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 Perfect. I love that. Two more things. First of all, you are on your bio when I read about you. You say you're a lover of tea and books. Yeah. So I want to know what you're reading. What are you reading? Oh, recommend a great book. Recommend a great book. I looked down because I thought it was by my bed. I'm reading The Unwell Women. It is written by a woman there in London. Um, oh. Yeah. I don't, I don't have it. In, I'm, oh, I, that's right. I took it camping. It's, um, it's about the history of, women in healthcare, basically their experiences in trying to seek out healthcare. And um, it's written by actually somebody who lives with lupus there. In the is it, is it, I've just looked it up. Is it Eleanor Cleghorn? Yes. 
There we go. Unwell yes. women, Mid-di- Unwell misdiagnosis women. and myth in a man-made world, but by Eleanor yes. Cleghorn. That sounds good. Yes. I'm in the middle of um, Sabine Celesi's uh, We Are All Connected. I bought myself Atlas of the Heart, Brene Browns for Christmas, but I haven't cracked it yet. It's just on the stack. <laughs> I have stacks and boards. I, I guess know. it's a mess. So, so when you ask me that, it's like, oh, what am I actually cracking the cover on right now? Because I always have a huge stack. I know. So. I know. I literally bought a suitcase when I came out to Cape Town. I literally had a suitcase which was full of yoga equipment and books, and that was all that was in a massive <laughs> suitcase. So, I too am working through a couple of books. But right. Moment. Right. And I and I uh, I like Scottish breakfast. I like the spoon, the stand up, and the tea. <laughs> Yes. And I do not take it white. So that was one of the best things about living in the UK is the tea is free on the train here in America. Everybody's coffee, 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 right? It's so hard to get a decent cup of tea, but you, you people, you, you're very civilized. You like, yeah, the English English know how to do tea. Uh, We live by it. It's our lifeblood without it. We are nothing. So, yeah. So lastly, I want to ask you about what you offer, like your courses, like how if people want to try this out, if they've got a pool, if they want to, you know, how can they try aqua yoga with you or with somebody else? But mostly give me your your details. And obviously I'll put your I know you have a website, so I'll put that as a link in the show notes. But just tell me about, about what you offer. Yeah. So the easiest way to connect with me is on my website, which is KristaFairbrother.com. And Krista is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-A and then Fairbrother, just like it sounds. And I have a bunch of free videos up for people to watch. Tech is really hard at the pool, obviously. So you can watch them on your phone, watch them on your laptop, and then just make like little notes on a piece of paper. Because obviously if that gets destroyed, no harm, no foul, right? So that's the easiest like free way to do it. If people are interested in purchasing stuff, I have audio resources available. So you can actually download a class on your phone and practice along with it. And then some people prefer to read. So I make waterproof sequences. So like I have one for the chakras where you can literally flip the pages and it's waterproof, stuff it in your swim bag, it'll last forever. And those are available. And my most exciting project is my book is coming out in July 2022 called Water Yoga. And it's being produced by Singing Dragon Books there in the UK. Congratulations. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So it'll be very easy to get around the world. It's it's, uh, released internationally in, in July all around the world. So anybody listening, you should be able to get it through all your regular book channels. Wonderful. Congratulations. That's awesome. That's so good. Add that to the to the volume of yoga books that I have when it comes yes. out. <laughs> yeah. So that one, that'll give you everything you need to know. That whole like warrior three and how do you get in and out? And then yeah. and then something fun since we talked about warrior three in the mat, you know, we think about will we go forward and back? Well, you get in the pool and you can swing it around to the side. Right. Or you can cross it around behind you and little British curtsy. Right. And then bring it back up. So we have all these fun transitions and moves we can do. So, yeah, I look forward to that. Stand on your warrior three. (laughs) Lovely. Well, Krista, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been awesome. So there we are. I found talking to Krista so interesting and I hope you did too. 
I will certainly be taking my yoga into the pool when I'm lucky enough to be in one. Um, you know that I always love feedback. So if you have anything to add to the conversation, please get in touch with me. And I also wanted to just flag up the fact that my chakra course, online chakra course, is going to be launching again very soon. So if you are interested in maybe joining the course, actually probably the best way of me telling you about it is through a graduate of the course. And I quote, she says, um, this podcast led me on to do her online chakra course, which has been the best thing I've ever done. It really makes you step back and learn so much about yourself and what is out there. A journey to self-discovery. I highly recommend it. What more can I say apart from thank you, Emma, sending you lots of love. Um, so if you would like to have a discovery call, then the link for that is in the show notes. I do think it is really important to connect before you join the course so that you know that it's the right choice for you. So I look forward to maybe speaking with you in person sometime soon. And until then, take care. Om Shanti. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.